so today on Alternative News, we have a pretty exciting announcement to make of a new trade union alliance that me and a few other people have been working on. It's called the Disabled and Neurodiverse Workers Alliance, and it is a body of disabled people, autistic people, and people with mental health issues, both unemployed and employed workers who are signed to the social model of disability. At the moment, the DNWA, its main goal is to bridge the gap between the trade union movement and the disability rights movement, which is what we'll be talking about today. The DNWA's other goals are to employ direct action for disability rights and to be a direct line of communication between disabled and neurodiverse workers and our employers and other trade unions. Today as well on the program, we also have Leah, who is one of the founding members of DNWA. Say hi, Leah. Hi, you're hearing me talk. So I talked about how the DNWA aims to bridge the gap between trade unionism and the disability rights movement. Why else do you think we need a workers' alliance for disabled and neurodiverse people, Leah? I think for me... Disabled and neurodiverse people, I find, need a lot of support to navigate workplaces and employment services, which, in my opinion, are an example of institutions that define a person's worth and productivity, however you want to describe that, in terms of profitability. It's never focused on what their actual needs are, but more on how they can assimilate to a very rigid model of functionality and productivity yeah and in my experience there's a lot of work that needs to be done there yeah I think as well from my point of view I think it would be really good if disabled people and neurodiverse people could influence their workplaces directly through trade unionism rather than waiting for advocacy groups to go through the government and policy to figure out how we can make workplaces accessible. And I think as well, like just building on that point, being able to like not only influence workplaces, but also influence trade unions and increase accessibility in trade unions, which would then increase trade union membership and therefore the strength of workers and trying to gain better working conditions as well. So is it also about building a stronger network of allies and other bodies who would help disabled and neurodiverse workers take direct action to improve their working conditions? Yeah, I think it would be like better to have some sort of like line of communication between the trade unions and disabled and neurodiverse people And also it would be a place for disabled and neurodiverse people to participate politically as well. Before we go on any further, I think it's a good idea to define what disability is and what neurodiverse is. So starting with neurodiverse, that it's pretty much a word that is the opposite of neurotypical. And neurotypical kind of came about as a way to describe people who say autistic or don't have any kind of personality disorders it's pretty much as a neurotypical is the able-bodied version of mental disabilities 
So neurodiverse is the opposite of neurotypical, in which it's someone who could have autism or personality disorders or any kind of mental health issues. And so disability is anyone who has like a physical disability or an intellectual disability or any kind of chronic health issue or chronic illness or anything that kind of stops them from participating in mm. essentially capitalism, I guess, or just in like the outside world. And I think it's important when we define neurodiverse or what disability is that we talk about the different models of disability so there's two main models when we talk about disability and one model is the medical model and the other model is the social model and so the DNWA assigns to the social model which sees that it's better to remove barriers that inhibit a person from participating in the social aspects of life rather than try and fix or cure the person so the medical model as opposed to the social model it suggests that there there's something inherently wrong with the person that that could be fixed by health professionals is there anything that you want to say about the social model versus the medical model Leah the medical model I think is really goes hand in hand with obviously capitalism industrialization Fordism all of that brought about these notions of standardization and with that came the standardization of our bodies and our capabilities standardization and with that came the standardization of our bodies and our capabilities i think the medical model of like this idea that health professionals need to cure or fix people it just does nothing for the majority of people who are disabled or are neurodiverse. So like for instance in my experience all health professionals do is say that I need to learn how to pace myself and control like my energy reserves, but I am always frustrated by being told this because I don't know what good pacing is going to do for me when the rest of the world is so inaccessible. And like, how am I supposed to pace myself when I have all these demands under capitalism, like finding a job and working a certain amount of hours or trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for rent or like even just like grocery shopping, public transport, all this stuff. It's just like if when health professionals can't cure you, then they just kind of default back onto the social model without actually providing any kind of accessibility. They just say, like, you need to learn to be disabled in a world that doesn't really want you to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for instance, there's. it's also quite almost uneducated to assume that disabled people can't contribute substantially to society. In fact, there's been a lot of studies that have been done that show that there are greater retention rates in workers that are disabled than you know right across the board and a lot of that is because perhaps because I think being isolated at least for me and I know for a lot of people has been one of the worst parts of disability and so sometimes the opportunity to be part of a community and to contribute to something is really worth fighting for and keeping yeah 
Yeah, for sure. And without making sure places are accessible, we just make that isolation even worse. Mm. Yeah. So it's not just as well about accessibility, but I think we have to like go back and think about like where disability came from and why is it that so many places are suddenly now inaccessible for for so many of us and i think a lot of this stems back to like the standardization of the body from capitalism where that we have this standardized body that has a standard size that can work standard hours in the in a standard workplace with standard abilities and needs so when a person doesn't reach this kind of standard form then capitalism will just reject them because they're not able to meet this standard and this impact on profits and i think leo was saying to me earlier something about what were you saying yeah. so australia has something called a supported wage system i believe this is the process more or less an employer elects an employee to be assessed by an independent assessor and if that person is, for instance, assessed to be capable of only 70% of the work, then that means that their employer has complete legal impunity to pay them only 70% of whatever their award or EBA or other industrial instrument sets out for them. So I assume that that gap, that 30% gap in this instance, would be subsidised by the government, but that's not the case at all. Not even taking into account the better retention rates of disabled people in workplaces, that they're they're more likely to yeah. stay in there for longer. Or even that, I mean, why why would someone assume that a person is less capable of work because they're disabled than, for instance, you know, the person who sits in the other room at my work and is on their phone playing Candy Crush all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It's it's just bizarre. Like, what metrics do you do to quantify that? And I can't... Yeah, it's just a real... It's, and it's yeah. only able-bodied people who are quantifying disabled people as well. Right, right. That's, that's just it. Yeah. And, like, recently there was this proposal from Private Health Australia that suggested that employers should receive tax benefits or tax cuts for paying their employees' private health. So it essentially just ties medical care to employment, which is what has already happened to our pension and superannuation. So it will incentivize employers to hire people with private health and people to get private health and then further pushing public health system onto the fringe. How would that system even work if an employer is thinking of hiring someone with an established disability? I mean, if that's a pre-existing condition, would that mean that they would be less... They would have less incentive to hire someone with a disability because, you know, they would have to pay substantially more in healthcare premiums. Yeah. It just, yeah, it really is another example of this attitude that links a standardized person and body and productivity output towards. So, part of what we're trying to achieve with the DNWA is 
giving more power to disabled people and not only just in the workforce but in their capacity to be politically active because for many of the reasons we mentioned just earlier disabled people in a way like they really should be at the forefront of this movement against capitalism being or among the most sidelined peoples in this push for standardization and these real you know post-industrial workplaces yeah so there's this good quote from this trade union alliance that the dnwa is essentially based off they're in northern ireland and they're called trade union disability alliance and on their website they have this written down which is i think appropriate so i'll just read it out loud they said we recognize that capitalism is dependent on the creation of disability on the denial of human and civil rights to one group in order to control the rest and at the same time as keeping a pool of cheap labor in reserve Mm. we recognize that fear of disability is a major weapon of capitalism and the belief that disabled people are better off dead is fundamental to capitalist interests i feel that really like sums up about why disabled and neurodiverse people really should be in a part of the movement to Mm. remove capitalism and instead put in some sort of socialist system especially the current political climate where you know it's not a particularly great time for disabled people um not just with the privatization of healthcare that Bree mentioned earlier but also you know all these almost eugenics type way of thinking attitudes towards overpopulation yeah like People will just think, oh, climate change, that's because we're overpopulated. Yeah. We need to be less populated. So who's at the bottom of the barrel? Yeah. So a final note, I just wanted to say for anyone who's interested in either joining the DNWA or keeping up with what we're doing, you can either email us on dnworkersalliance at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook under Disabled and Neurodiverse Workers Alliance. On our Facebook, there's also a link to the contact form if you would like to join or participate in any of our online meetings. Finally, I would like to remind the listeners of Alternative News that Tuesday the 3rd of December is International Day of Disabled Persons and that 3CR will have 12 hours of dedicated programming from 7am to 7pm and will feature Power from the Margins, covering black and indigenous perspectives on disability. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.